Can we have hope that God will sustain us? That's the question we're discussing today on Hear of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Aaron Armstrong, brain manager of The Gospel Project, and with me, instead of my regular co-host, Brian Dombozik, is Sam O'Neill, our our Gospel Project for Kids, younger um, younger kids content editor. Hey, glad to be here. Yeah, uh, thanks for joining us. So today, we are... Um, we're we're gonna start start talking about for the next few weeks the book of Daniel and um, you know typically when we start a book we we should probably start at the beginning yeah but we're not gonna do that today <laughs> you know because we're gonna be wild and daring instead we're gonna start in chapter three sounds good to me <laughs> all right so uh, so let's talk about first where this where this passage of scripture where we find ourselves in the narrative where it falls within the Bible's overall narrative. Yeah. Well, one thing that's important to keep in mind is that at this point, we are basically picking up after the kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom, has been taken into captivity. They've been taken into captivity by Babylon. The um, northern kingdom of Israel uh, had been in captivity from Assyria before this. Uh, And so one of the things that Babylon did that was... um, unique was they would take a lot of the best and brightest the the basically the young men the future of a country they'd bring them in and essentially try to brainwash them and indoctrinate them and make it so that any sense of their cultural identity was being replaced with this idea of no you're part of babylon now you're in the kingdom of babylon yeah Uh, yeah and one of the things that they would do is they would give people new names yeah there too so um so there are three, there are really four men who are consistent characters um, throughout Daniel's book that are um, specifically among the Jews. Um, and yes, listeners, I use the word character. Please don't, please don't forget when when I say that, I'm I'm not suggesting that these were not real people or right. that these are not real events. Right, right. Of, don't email us. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> but um, we do see this in uh, even in this passage. Um, so Daniel and his, and his his three associates, um, Hananiah, Mishael, and um, uh, and Azariah, better um, known to most people as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because yes. of the story that that we'll absolutely. Get into a also, bit. by the way, I'm I'm really impressed that you you didn't. Um, flip the N and the D when you said uh, Abednego. Oh. That was good. No, that I've, was good. You, I don't know. Maybe praise. That's that's comp. <laughs> that's a compliment. What do most um, people say? I've heard people. I have Abendigo? Heard, Yes, I've heard people oh. flip flop it to be Abendigo. That's um, actually his limbo participating cousin. Yeah. No, there you that, go. That's a joke. There you go. Also, don't email us about that. So. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, so um, so these men. I mean, think about think about how we're introduced to them in in Daniel chapter one. They are young men, probably teenagers at that point. They've just been brought in from Jerusalem, and mm-hmm. so they're immediately put into that indoctrination process, yeah. right? And so they um, and part of that though is is that the, they are given basically. All kinds of really great food and right. like they're actually special treatment. Right. Really, it's, it's like, like they're, they're being well taken care of. Mm-hmm. 
um, in addition to receiving a really good education from yeah. the Babylonian perspective. And so, um, but these four were committed to the Lord. Right. They they wouldn't they wouldn't um, reject their faith. They wouldn't. They they saw that there were foods that were there that, that a lot of foods that weren't wrong for them to eat, but there were some that because they'd been sacrificed to to idols or they were um, according to the 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 Jewish law they were unclean foods. They were mm-hmm. animals that they didn't eat, um, and so they said, "No, we can't. We can't do that. We can't yeah. compromise our integrity yeah, yeah. in this way." And so they went to their overseer and said, "Hey." We can't do this in good conscience. Mm-hmm. Can we just eat vegetables? <laughs> and at first he was like, no, not at all. Because right. if the king comes and sees that you three are, you know, wasting basically away. scrawny and everyone else is healthy, I'm going to lose my job and potentially my life. Right. And they basically, they kind of like put it all on the line for, for their trust in God and said, right. we won't. It won't happen. Right. Like, they're like, if, they're if like, we're not healthy or healthier, as healthy or healthier than every other person that's eating these foods, you know, we'll be shocked. Right. And yeah. basically it was like, all right, give us give us like two weeks and let's just see what happens. And mm-hmm. um, and yeah. And so a little bit of time goes by and it's like, sure enough, they're actually healthier than everybody yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. And so it was just one of those ways that in that instance, God honored their integrity and, and God was there with them and sustaining mm-hmm. them in that place um, as they l- sought to live faithfully. And one thing that I want to point out that I know isn't exactly on the agenda, so to speak, but sure. I think that when I was a kid, this story was often taken and it was taught like, oh, eat your vegetables, be healthy. And it was like, <laughs> well, those well. aren't bad lessons. Like it is good to eat vegetables and it is good. You know, if it, the New Testament teaches that our body is a temple. So yeah, obviously we want to take care of it, but like that so completely misses the entire point of this lesson. Right. Yeah. Um, the point is not kids eat your vegetables. Right. Don't be it's not a it's not an episode of Popeye. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's no, it's yeah, it's it's that exam that model of faithfulness mm-hmm. and yeah. um and seeking to to honor God when in whatever circumstances you find yourself in and seeing how he how he blesses that and how he sustains them. Yeah. And that's the that's a prevailing theme all throughout this book, too. Um, and and that's something that we need to recognize whenever we whenever we come to the story, like to the the book of Daniel, um, particularly the first six chapters of it, which are more narrative in form. The seventh, the second, the second half of the book, it's a little different. Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about that though um, down the road. Um, but where where these four really kind of came into prominence in, within Babel, Babylonian society was after um, Daniel interpreted a particularly strange dream of Nebuchadnezzar's that was um, it was it was wild stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the dream is essentially a statue with uh, I believe four levels, or it might be five. Yeah, um, and. The head is gold and represents Babylon. And then it basically, as it goes down the statue, it's represented. The statue is made of uh, baser and baser metals, basically, until the feet are made of uh, uh, iron mixed with clay, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And um, Daniel comes and essentially says, uh, 
here's what it means. The gold represents the kingdom of Babylon and then, you know, represents the Persians after you and goes down through all these different kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one of my favorite details about that story is that King Nebuchadnezzar, his command isn't come interpret this dream for me. It's tell me the dream and its interpretation. Yes. He wakes up upset about the dream, but doesn't remember the dream and wants someone to come tell him his dream yeah. and what it means. Yeah. That or like, that or it's he that or he actually remembered the dream, but didn't have a clue what it meant. Um, and he was testing his advisors as true. well. That's true. That's kind of the other way that that could go as well. Um, so, but, the, but Daniel's correct interpretation of the dream led to him becoming a very prominent advisor, led to actually, um, his friends being prominent advisors as well. And their prominence as non-Babylonians, um, as being part of this enslaved people who didn't go along with everyone else, that started to create some problems for them right away. I mean, the other uh, the other members of the king's court, they, they ultimately became jealous of them and were looking for opportunities to displace them and, and potentially even kill them. And mm-hmm. um, when we get to chapter three, that's where we do find this moment where um, where the king, in his arrogance, builds uh, builds himself a statue of himself. And commands that everybody bow down to it um, at a certain time of day, and um, and so um, and and so, what do these guys do? Well, so they refuse essentially to yep. bow down. Now it doesn't, you know, we don't have any reason to believe that they set up some sort of like protest and went out with picket signs and no. they were like, no statue worship, no statue worship, <laughs> um, but. At the same time, when everyone around them is literally bowing before this statue and worshiping as these um, royal musicians are playing, yeah, I, I like to imagine that they're just kind of standing around, like, "Well, we're not doing that." Right. It's like if they had their uh, if if you know iPhones were a thing at that time, they'd be on their phone checking Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> or <laughs> pretending to get a phone call. Yeah. To, or if they're really holy, they're reading the, they're reading uh, their CSB Bible app. So. Yes. Yeah. Well, mm. you know. Mm. There uh, we go. So, um, <laughs> but so we know. Um, so most, if you've if you've grown up in the church or you've been around Christian circles, you've heard a version of this of this story before. Um, they refuse to bow down. The the um, other like. Other Babylonians, other Chaldeans um, approach the king and say, hey, these three jokers over here, they're not doing what you said. Mm -hmm. Because part of this was anyone who didn't bow down and worship the statue was to be thrown into a blazing hot furnace. Yeah. And so execution by fire. That's that's pretty rough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. And so these three get thrown um are are taken are are taken captive and they're like and the king's like what's up why are you not doing this yeah and he actually gives them like this extra chance like uh, he's like this is this is me interpreting a little bit and reading into it a bit but it's almost it almost to me reads as though he's kind of like surely this is a misunderstanding like bring them in i'll lay it i'll i'll explain it to them once they realize what's on the line yeah they'll 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 uh Follow along, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, guys, seriously, I like you guys, but I will kill you. It's like, (laughs) Like, I don't want to kill you, 
will you please just bow down to the statue? Yeah. Cross your fingers if you have to. Sing but the bunny I, song. You know, <laughs> whatever you got, be like, I don't, it doesn't count. Whatever I don't you know got, if I'm it's like. to reference yeah. VeggieTales. I apologize. It's if fine. You have to edit it's that fine. Out. No, it's fine. Uh, um, so um, you didn't start singing it. So there you go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to pay any royalties. That's right. That's right. So, um, um, so the, but they refuse. Mm-hmm. And what it, what's what's incredible is that they say is actually their response. Um, and so um, because the king has said, uh, now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum and every kind of music, fall down and worship the statue I made. But if you don't worship it, you'll be immediately thrown into a fire, a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power? And so they say to him, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give an answer, uh, give you an answer to this question. If the God we serves exist, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, We want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. And then they get thrown into the fire. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And one of my favorite things about the response is it it kind of, to me, it seems to capture uh, the idea of, I believe, help my unbelief almost. Um, Just this idea of like, if he exists, absolutely, he can save us. Even if he doesn't, we're still not going to do right. what you're saying. Even if he doesn't save us. Uh, right. I don't actually think that they have doubt that he exists. Yeah. But there is that sense of like, we can't control God. We don't know if he's going to save us or not. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. Right. And so we see um, we see as, uh, as the passage concludes um, that that they're looking that the king and his and the guards they're they're looking at what's going on this fire the fire in this furnace was so hot that one of the guards who was outside died from it throwing them yeah, in just opening the door to toss right. him in um so that's intense um but what's what they see inside is fascinating because they're like didn't we throw three dudes in there yeah and they <laughs> see four and, and they're no longer bound, which to some extent makes perfect sense. Like the ropes sure. could have burned up, no sure. problem. Yeah. But at the same time, their clothing didn't burn up. So right. it's like and they're not all burned up. Yeah. And, um, and it's like these guys are just roaming around in the fire. Which can you imagine that? That yeah. would be such an interesting, like to be just it's like just to in be a fire. In there. You're not hurt. You're not burned up. And yeah. you have this opportunity to just kind of like walk around. Like, right. And it's like, do, 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 do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so, and it's so incredible. the king's like, let them out. And so they open the door. It doesn't say that anyone else died that I recall. And, um, <laughs> yeah. um but it kind of makes you wonder, yeah. did they wait for the fire to die down at all? Maybe, or? maybe they turned it down, but, um, but they, they let them out mm-hmm. and these guys and they come out and only three of the four come out. Right. The, the fourth just disappears. Right. Um, we don't hear what happens to him at all. He's just there and then he's not. Um, but they come out and the king is just amazed. And so he he offers this decree and he's like and he says that if 
anyone of any nation or language says anything offensive against the God of these three, they will be torn limb from limb and his house will be made a garbage dump. For there's no God, uh, no other God who is able to deliver like this. And then um, then the three were uh, rewarded in um, in the province of Babylon. Yeah. And so that's that's pretty incredible. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's intense. And and for anyone who has ever gone camping or had a backdoor or a backyard <laughs> fire to roast marshmallows, you can't even sit around a fire without smelling heavily of smoke. Right. And one of the details I love here is that they came out and it says, uh, not a hair on their heads was singed, their robes were unaffected, and there was no smell of fire on them. Right. So they're literally in the fire and there's and they no, don't smell there's like no smoke. smell of smoke. Right. It's it's just it's so incredible to me some of the details that God captures in his word for us. Yeah. Um, just to show because even without that detail, would this story be incredible? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, but it's never that one little yeah, bit it's more. it's just that little extra thing where God yeah. is like, not only am I all-powerful, I'm all-powerful in ways you can't even fathom. Right. Um, right. And so so as we think about as we think about all that we've talked about and we've we've hit on little bits and pieces of this already but um but one of the things that we should be considering is is really what questions should we be asking as we read and study this passage because whenever we come to the bible we should be ready to ask questions of it because we want to know um what god has for us through it yeah absolutely um so sam what's one of the first ones that we should know uh well, I think the first one is probably something to the effect of why didn't they just kind of go along with it? Just right. worship the statue while in their head thinking, ah, this we don't really believe this statue is God. We don't really we're not really worshiping it. Kind of cross right. their fingers behind their back, go through the motions and pretend that this is something that they're going to do just just to yeah. stay alive. You right. know what I mean? Right. And I mean this is a question and I mean this is a question that we we face in our time because there's so many opportunities to and there's so many opportunities for us to compromise our faiths just in general. Right. But there's also so many there's so many pressures outside of outside of us to yeah. do that as well. Yeah. I feel like today it's just very intense. There's absolutely, and it's even in things like choosing not to take a stand rather than taking a stand one way or another. Correct. But um, well, <laughs> if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. Well, that's the thing, <laughs> right? Is is now, yeah. There and there's some there's some there's obviously room for some caveats there and, and right. things like that. Not every not everything that someone says is a compromise of your faith is a compromise True. of your faith. Absolutely. And um, so we need the wisdom to know the difference. And, of course. And to be clear, but, there are there are circumstances where it is wise to stay silent. Correct. But I would say that there are a lot of cases where I almost think the motivation behind your silence is going to tell you a lot. Are you staying right. silent because you know for a fact that you'll have more and better opportunities to share the gospel boldly? Mm -hmm. Or are you staying silent because you think if you speak up, you'll be punished? Right. And I think that motive, like, are you are you trying to protect the the um, mission or are you trying to protect yourself, I think is an important. Yeah, and that's an important um, distinction. But yeah. Yeah. Um, another one is is uh, is really a speculative question. What would have ha what if God hadn't 
delivered these three from the fire? What if God had, what if the other half of that had come, had uh, their, their declaration to Nebuchadnezzar had been the end of the story and it had said, and Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage and threw them into the fire and they died. Yeah. And that's how chapter three ended. That's, that's a, that's a hard question. So yeah. Confession. I, I usually, I usually avoid any kind of speculative what if kinds of questions Uh because I feel like to some extent, I feel like it runs the risk of causing us to question God's sovereignty. Sure. Because it's like, what if God's plan didn't play out according to God's plan? Right. Well, so, and, 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 and the, here's the key. Here's why, here's why I think you can get away with asking a question like that in this instance. Sure. Is because we know that there are times when God doesn't mm. deliver in that Absolutely. kind of way. Absolutely. So God is always with his people. He is always working in and through and for the good of his people. Yes. Um and but we but we have to admit that there are times when it's like when it seems like we don't when we just don't understand what God is doing. Right. And this and they seemed to understand that it's like this could go one of two ways because right. they were not um and I think the key is is actually in their statement to Nebuchadnezzar. Really, the answer to that question is in terms of what would have, what if God hadn't? It's like at the end of the day, it still wouldn't have mattered, right? Whether God rescued them or not from the fire, and they believed that He could do that, right? They and it was very care. They were very careful in their words because words matter. Yeah, they didn't say God will deliver us. Said God can deliver us. Yes. But yeah. then they said, and if he doesn't, we still are not going to do right. this. So the what I would propose as a potential answer to that question, mm-hmm. what if God hadn't delivered the three men? They, it's still a powerful testimony. Yeah. Someone who is willing to die for for their faith. It, I mean, you think about the effect of martyrdom, yeah. uh, especially in Acts and in the early church, you see the growth of the church is largely fueled by that persecution. Mm-hmm. Stephen is stoned to death and the church explodes outward. Um, so to me, it's it, the answer to that question is probably something to the effect of if God had chosen not to deliver them, it would have been an equally powerful story and it would have still led to the same uh, gradual, the first step I'll say in, in King Neb's uh, transformation. Yeah. Which I, I have to say, King Nebuchadnezzar might be my favorite person in the Bible. Like I, mm. I love his story so much. It is, it it's is a pretty so powerful interesting. story. And uh, yeah, I, I yeah. won't I won't get too much into it because no, I'd end up talk getting about more of that next week. Right, right. I'll get ahead yeah. of myself. But I love that at the end of this story, he's not saying this is the one true God. He's saying this is clearly the most powerful God I know of. Right. Yeah. And. Um, and that's a and that's a really just a wild thing yeah. in and of itself. And we'll we can pick up next week, and I'll, yeah. I'll blather on much longer a- about absolutely. Neb, but... And I look forward to that. But <laughs> uh, the next question is is and this sets up actually where we're going next, which is who is the fourth man in the furnace? And so there's a couple of ideas that this Jesus it <laughs> could be. That's the Sunday school answer, right? <laughs> well done, but, uh, well done. So, but yeah, um, so, yeah, so interesting. Yeah, and there's, so this this really does tie into this question of how does it point us to Jesus? Because there um, there are really a couple of options. This could be an an angelic being that God sent right. to deliver them. Um, 
It could um, because we and we do see this periodically in scripture where there is this this one who has the appearance of being an angelic being, mm-hmm. but who's different, who right. ha- who seems to have the attributes of God. Um, typically, we we see him called the the angel of the Lord or um, the the captain of the Lord's armies and, and yeah. all of these other things. He was, um, you know, and so this person could have been. Yeah. That. And I, I do want to be clear. Could have. I, I don't necessarily fall I, on one side or no, the other. No, this that. is. Like, I was this just, is a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is this is us saying it could have been that. Right. Um, and so that's a val, but that's a valid line of argument. Mm-hmm. But Gro- it's not one to hang your hat on. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Growing up in a church um, that that I think accidentally tended to lean towards moralism, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this story was always taught just as like a oh, be obedient and God will protect you kind of a thing. Right. Um, but another thing was we were basically taught almost point blank, like, oh, that was Jesus who protected them in the fire. Right. Uh, uh, Because of um, their, uh, in verse 25 of Daniel 3, King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, he exclaimed, look, I see four men not tied walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods, uh, is one of the most accurate translations. Sometimes it's translated as looks like the son of God or a son of God or something like that. And so in some cases it gets potentially misconstrued to be more definitive than it is. Correct. Um, but either way, I think it's a, a, a amazing symbol and a, a cool picture. Right, exactly. Um, because what we see ultimately in it is we see we see a couple of things. We see the power and the presence of God mm-hmm. through it. So whether it's whether it's um, what theologians call a Christophany, so a pre-incarnate mm-hmm. appearance of Christ, um, during this time frame, or it's God sending um, an angelic being on his behalf to deliver these people. All of this is happening through the power of God. Yeah. Um, and and that's the key thing that we that and if we're going to take away anything in terms of how it points to Christ, it is that the power and presence of God, that God was faithful to rescue these men from the fire. And by faith, God um, rescues us mm-hmm. from sin and death and from the fires of hell. Yeah, um, we can't deny that, that there is that there is a, an intense um, consequence to sin. Yeah. And that consequence is is eternal death. Um, and that's and that's a terrible thing. Um, but in seeing the presence of God here, that um, he is with us in in the trials that we face and that even if he doesn't deliver us from from harm or difficulty or suffering in this life, um, knowing that he is with us through it and that we get to enjoy eternity with him at the end, mm-hmm. um, that has a sustaining power for yeah. us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, um, let's think about let's think about this passage from the perspective of um, someone who is engaged in discipleship ministry. So yeah. that can be any number of things: a um, a small group leader, a uh, student ministry or youth ministry worker, um, uh, someone in kids ministry, like you and I both serve in yeah. um, at our churches, um, or just someone who who is um, just walking through a, a one-on-one discipleship process with another believer um, or um, 
Yeah. Uh, what kind of guidance can we offer them in working through this passage with others? Well, with any of these stories that tend to be some of the more famous ones, some of the ones that make it into, you know, the children's storybook Bible, I think it's really important to make sure that we're not uh, taking for granted what is in the passage because we are so familiar with the story. A lot of these stories, I'll imagine to myself, like, well, yeah, I know that one, Pat, like I, I can you know, recite it in my sleep. But if I actually open the word and read it again, there will be new fresh insights and details that pop out to me as I'm seeing things that I hadn't noticed before because I was so used to assuming that I already knew this story so well. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important as you're walking through this to, to um, just open with prayer and start from a position of humility before the spirit saying, yeah, show me what is in this passage. Don't let me assume that I already know it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing that, uh, we should remember, and this is something we've, we've said once before, at least, um, in our discussion, but it bears repeating that, uh, we are going to be tempted, tempted to compromise our faith. Yeah. And so we need to remember that our hope is grounded in someone who is sure. Um, our, our faith is not an empty thing and it's not a blind thing. It's, um, it's not a meaningless thing. Our faith is built upon the historical life, death, and resurrection of Jesus yeah. himself. And so um, we know that he is true and we know that he is good and we know that he is for us and with us and that he will sustain us through all things. Even and even if he doesn't deliver us from the trial, it is not worth um, in the moment delivering us from the trial. It is not worth compromising ourselves for the ease that it brings. Yeah, absolutely. And and we'll get a little deeper into that in a second. But, yeah. Um, one other thing that I would like to kind of bring up is just that not every instance of being put basically in a trial or a test where you're asked, like, are you going to obey God or are you going to compromise to follow culture and make your life easy? Not every story is going to end with some sort of miraculous rescue where you end up elevated and the person who is uh, maybe the cause or the source of your trial says, oh, actually, you're right. God is amazing and powerful. And I also am going to, to you know, take a step toward him rather than mm -hmm. away from him. Like, there will be times where that trial ends with the person continuing to be persecuted, maybe thrown in jail, depending on what part of the world they're ministering in. Yeah. There's a lot of stories that, that end more like Stephen, uh, uh, to tie back to what I had mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, there will be people who get thrown into the furnace and they're, they're not miraculously pulled out without yeah. the smell of fire. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, um, I think the final thing that we want to encourage people is is that uh, to remember first that first and foremost that God's glory is um, is made known through faithful suffering in many ways. And so why this is important is is that um, we really need to remember that suffering is real. And regardless of what type it is, um, we can we can too often minimize one kind of suffering over another, but for whatever whatever it is, for that person, it's it's real and profound yeah. and yeah. um and so we should never try to com um compare or or compare and contrast or do any of that that kind of stuff um but 
too often when we when we think about the think about the truths that we've talked about um, throughout um, our discussion here is we can use them as an opportunity to pass over or brush away the 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 real suffering and pain and uh, and frustration that that people can feel in those moments yeah um, and so what we what we need to do and we we need to encourage one another and is, is listening to one another and and seeking to listen well uh, to be with one another in um, in our sorrow and in our suffering as as much as we are when we when we rejoice uh, together um, and and to really seek to carry one another's burdens as Scripture commands. Yeah, I, I had a guy that discipled me. Um, before I worked for Lifeway or was uh, living in Nashville. And one of the things that he used to say whenever whenever I would tell him about something that I was struggling with or something that was frustrating me, he always said, man, I really hate that for you. And and I just love the, yeah. the way it was never about, I mean, it was about pointing me back to the truth of Jesus, but it was yeah. never about trying to sweep away yeah. the frustration that I felt and just say, oh, don't be frustrated because you have hope for eternity. It was like, let's take, he always took time to, to sit with me in that frustration mm-hmm. And let me uh, feel that feeling, and then also faithfully point me back to the hope, like yeah, uh, which I I agree is incredibly important. Yeah, yeah, awesome, Sam. That's a good place for us to wrap up. Thanks for for joining me on the show today. This yeah, was, this was a lot of pleasure. fun. Yeah, and uh, so listeners, this is our only episode for this week, as um, this is releasing on Thanksgiving week. Um, my favorite holiday. I know it's it's really good. I mean it's it's the it's the time of year that a lot of people go to the gym all year for. Yeah. So, <laughs> and other people just don't go to the gym at all. That's right. Still, and That's they don't right. care. So, uh, thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. And if you've enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit Gospel Project project.com.